psyched out. Good morning, friends, and welcome to worship this morning here at Fellowship Church. We're glad for the many of you gathering with us in the sanctuary in person for worship, and also a special welcome to those who are online. We're so glad that we have this online option, especially for those of you who may be out of town or sick or in the last few weeks maybe snowed in and stuck at home or whatever it is. But we also do want to say that we'd love to have you here with us uh, in gathered community if and when you are ready and able. We love to gather together and worship God uh, here on Sunday mornings. So welcome to worship. My name is Ross Dealman, one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where together our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. Our middle school students have been especially diving into that this week as they have been on retreat this weekend just down the road at Camp Geneva alongside a bunch of other churches and groups. So there's our group up there, about 30 of them with the leaders, uh, having a great time uh, at Geneva with a band and a speaker and small group time and all kinds of activities uh, and also leaning into specifically this weekend 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the story of the body of Christ and its many uh, diverse parts. So uh, keep them in your prayers and also thanksgivings that they are able to experience that together. As we look ahead one week from now, next week Sunday, we'll gather and we have it as a table-to-table Sunday. That's what we call it. And by that, we mean that in our worship service, we will gather at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ for the sacrament of communion in both services for worship, and then also we'll gather at the fellowship table, and this time it'll be between services, okay? So for you all, please do come about a half an hour early and head straight to the gym. We'll have big apple bagels and cream cheese and some opportunities to connect with one another and especially with your parish, uh, who are basically your neighbors, uh, uh, some of whom you may already know, and an opportunity to get to know a few more of them as well. So again, that's next Sunday. Uh, Come ready and come early. Uh, Next, also in the not-too-distant future, just giving you forewarning that Lent, uh, the season of Lent begins soon, and in the season of Lent, we journey with Jesus to Jerusalem uh, and moving from the high praise of big crowds, as we're hearing in his stories right now, into the deep rejection of the cross, into the high cost of giving oneself for others and then eventually to God's vindication of the Jesus way on Easter Sunday. So we are eager to take that journey with you, and it begins on Ash Wednesday, which just happens to be also Valentine's Day this year, so you can remember it's February 14. You can maybe go out on a nice date, but then also come here for worship uh, at 6.30, as it'll be Ash Wednesday here at the beginning of Lent. Finally, there's a New Year's update. We're hardly through, not yet even through the month of January, but we're celebrating the fact that this year already six families have established new recurring gifts, uh, partnering with you and all of us to join God's work and ministry and mission here at Fellowship Church. How wonderful that is for that journey and for us to be like our God in heaven, who is the first and best giver of all good gifts, and we get to join and be like him in in giving as well. You can do so also by giving online or in the bowls that are in the back of the sanctuary. Jess is just back from vacation, and she's going to share with us a little bit uh, of our call to worship, but also a reflection on the trip a little bit. Yeah, it's good to be back with you all. Um, On vacation, we flew to our destination, and as we were on the airplanes, I couldn't help but think how I approach uh, planning fellowships worship services. 
Behind the scenes, I often talk about how our worship services have an arc. It has a beginning, a specific path, and a destination, a journey that we plan and take together, each step leading naturally to the next step with flow and connection. As our flight attendants and pilots uh, prepped us, cared for us, and communicated with us before, during, and after the flight, I loved how we began in one place and we were brought along to another, even anticipating the weather conditions of our final destination and knowing where to get our bags and how to continue on our journey off the flight. Have you ever considered our time of gathered worship to be like a journey or maybe a hike? That was an analogy I heard many years ago from another worship pastor. What about a flight, or as in our text today, traveling on a boat? What would you notice if you saw our worship service this morning that way? We're going somewhere together, and there are many opportunities to encounter God and each other on the journey and to respond to that encounter. And the best part of this analogy to me is that our guide, our true worship leader, it's not the people that come up and down from this platform during the service, though we have a role But it is Jesus Christ himself, the one mediator between God and humanity, the one who is the way, the path to the Father. So friends, as we begin our journey this morning together, what amazes you? What troubles you? Ask questions and wonder, intentionally engage each step of the journey, and also look around you. If you have a window seat, look out for those wonderfully grand big picture views. Fasten your seatbelts as turbulence often happens. And in case of a significant event or something unexpected, remember to put on your own air mask first before assisting others with theirs. Maybe that's like Jesus telling us to take the plank out of our own eye before we remove a speck from another's. The ancient Hebrew people used a group of 15 specific psalms called the Psalms of Ascent for their journey upward to Jerusalem to worship. So on our journey upward, As we take off on our flight, hear these words of one of the most loved Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Would you stand and let's sing in praise to our God.
One of the exciting but challenging things in the gospel stories of Jesus is the sheer magnetism of the man. It's exciting because everybody is drawn to him and great things happen almost anywhere that he goes. But it's also challenging because it can make us think, why not me, God? Why not here? Why not now? The prayer we are about to offer is for all of us uncertain ones. For those who long for healing but haven't experienced it yet. Or for all who are still in the messy middle somewhere. Let's pray together. O God of heaven and earth, O Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of the world and Lord of the raging sea, O Spirit of the living God, when the miracle happens to us, thank you. 
when the clear answer does come our way, thank you. When the faith formula works for us, thank you. And yet we acknowledge that for many of us, well, we're not there yet. We who wonder why this life is my life. We who still haven't found the deep discovery. We who can't kick the addiction. We who have loved ones who aren't loving us back right now. We who long for new birth, but it hasn't happened yet. Would you send a blessing, O God, on those who are deep in the messy middle? As the storm rages on, will you bring forth a ray of sunshine, a friend, a nap, a burst of beauty somewhere, or laughter, please? As the storm rages on, will you surprise us with our own ability to press on without certainty, without clarity, without an easy fix? Surprise us, please, with our own ability to keep faith, to stay engaged, to listen, to wonder, and to hope. Surprise us, O oh God, if not by our own strength, by our own strong faith. Surprise us then by your strong faith in us or by the faith of our friends who believe for us when we are unable to believe ourselves. Just as in the time of Jesus, when the multitudes were healed, when the miracles happened, happened, when your kingdom, O oh God, was so obviously near, and yet even then, in Jesus' own hometown, or in the places that Jesus wasn't, sometimes the great thing didn't happen. As the storm rages on, will you still bless us, O oh God? After all, it was Jesus who said to doubting Thomas, blessed are those who do not see and who yet still believe. Today we claim that blessing on all the uncertain ones, on all the still waiting ones, on all who are stuck in the messy middle. Like the raging sea, O oh God, please quiet us too, at least by the all-important truth of your presence with us always. Help us also to be still and know that you are God. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of the raging sea, and all God's people said, amen. Continue in worship reflectively with the song, Nothing to Fear.
friends, I invite you to stand and hear these words of assurance from Romans chapter 8. Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, receive that assurance. The peace of Christ be with you. I invite you as you are able and comfortable to share a sign of that peace with your neighbor. Those of you joining us online, greet each other in the chat. Good morning. My name is Bryce Vanderstelt. I'm the Minister of Youth and Young Adults. And this morning is a special uh, Sunday of our year where we get to celebrate our confirmation students. So I'm going to invite our students for confirmation to come forward. Who's going to be the first? There we go. You need a leader to be the first one. As they come up, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the process that they went through. So every uh, September, we send out an invitation to all of our high school students uh, who have not gone through confirmation, and the invitation is to say, if you would like to become a fully confirmed member of the church, if you f have uh, feel God moving in your life and would like to publicly declare that, uh, we invite you into the confirmation process. So uh, these students, and we're missing one, uh, Kenzie Solis, who's on a mission trip in Guatemala, so we're giving her a pass today. Um, but So we had seven that signed up and they signed up and through uh, three months they sat through classes and they met with mentors and they put together uh, plans for how with their mentor they made plans for how could we plan a project or something to help our community and then this past Monday they went and they sat in front of our consistory and they shared some of their story and some of their faith with the consistory uh, so first of all, I just want to say thank you to all of you for putting forth that effort, and we acknowledge that work that you guys put in and the commitment that you've shown. But today we especially and mostly celebrate what God is doing in their lives, that God has moved them in this way that they are responding to it. And this is God has been moving in your guys' lives throughout your life, and all of you guys were baptized at a young age. So I would just like to uh, introduce you guys by naming their names and their baptism date we're going alphabetical order, so if you're putting names to faces, we'll start on this end and we'll move over. Lauren Abbott, you were baptized on October 19, 2008. Lily Garcia, you were baptized on December on May 11, 2008. Jordan Clausen, you were baptized on December 17, 2006. Anna Pearson, you were baptized on May 28, 
2008. Evie Price, you were baptized on November 8, 2015. And Graham Tolgetsky, you were baptized on March 29, 2009. Um. This is a big morning for you guys as you make your public profession of faith um, before God and also the congregation. And to help you do that, we've got some questions for you. Uh, I'll read the question and the response just in case it's not already written on your hearts. It's also written on the screen. Um, so with that, um, the first question, do you renounce sin and the power of evil in your life and in the world? If you do, say, I renounce them. Yeah. And who is your Lord and Savior? Good answer. Uh, and will you be faithful members of this congregation and through worship and service seek to advance God's purposes here and throughout the world? Awesome. And lastly, do you promise to accept the spiritual guidance of this church to walk in a spirit of Christian love with this congregation and to seek those things that make for unity, purity, and peace? Awesome. And congregation, um, you are a part of this too. Um, these students are professing their faith and we ask you to also join them in um, expressing your support and your encouragement and your guidance um, of them as, as newly, uh, uh, yeah, please stand. <laughs> um, so we'll read the words on the screen together and it begins, as the congregation of Fellowship Church we promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by extending God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service. Awesome. You guys may have a seat. Invite the parents and mentors of these students to come on up when we'll fill the stage and in a second, we will use our kneeling benches that we pull out, and we're going to pray over them. Uh, we are going to pray for them in groups of three, so we'll pray twice over. So we have parents. We also have the mentors that went through this process. And I always love this picture just because we know that parents and uh, families that your support in the faith walk of these uh, students uh, is a big part of who they are and why they're here. Uh, so first, I'd like to invite Lauren, Lily, and Jordan uh, and their mentors and parents up to the kneeling benches. And we'll pray. I invite you all to pray with us as well. Lauren, Lily, and Jordan, you are children of God, recipients of the covenant saved by the, by the Lord Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and marked as God's own forever. So defend, O Lord, your servants, Lauren, Lily, and Jordan, with your heavenly grace that they may, continually, may be continually yours and daily increase in your spirit more and more until they come to your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We can have Anna, Evie, and Graham, and their mentors, and their family. Would you pray with us? Anna, Evie, and Graham, you are children of God, a recipient of the covenant saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and marked as God's own forever. So defend, O Lord, your servants, Anna, Evie, and Graham, with your heavenly grace, 
that they may be continually yours and daily increase in your spirit more and more until they come to your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me step back. To invite you all to stand one more time. Yeah, I know. Just I could feel I could feel that up here. That was just a, they've been standing this whole time. All right, friends. We're going to read the Apostles' Creed, and we're going to do that responsively. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? Awesome. Brothers and sisters in Christ, please join us in welcoming these newest professing members to the congregation. This is a big day for them. There's a lot of you here, but we hope that you'll take the time to greet them and to greet their families and to continue to walk alongside them and encourage them in their faith. Um, so thank you. As we continue in worship, we do invite our children. You guys can step off. Yeah. Um, we invite our children three years through fifth grade um, to head to their worship center at this time for Sunday school. And the rest of us will remain standing and sing our creed that was just affirmed. So let's sing together.
Good morning, Fellowship Church. <laughs> the Lord be with you. It's great to be together. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Kyrios, Lord, Master, the captain of our ship. For the first few months in 2024, we are making our way through Mark's gospel and we are noticing how Jesus Christ is our Lord. Sure, yes, we know. He's also our teacher, our savior, our friend. He's all these things in all of the gospels. And it seems like each gospel seems to shine brightly one of these identities of Jesus. And for Mark, that is his lordship. And there are few passages in all of Mark and maybe even in the Bible that display Jesus' lordship more notoriously than the one that we get to read this morning. It is both famously known and a clear example of Jesus' lordship over creation itself. Before we dive into it, though, let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you uh, for the chance to celebrate your lordship and the uh, students that were able to stand uh, in fr- among us and in front of us and testify that they desire to follow you in that way. And so now as we dive into your word, we pray that we too might become more faithful followers of you as our Lord, that we might be uh, inspired by your spirit and that you uh, might continue to move in our midst as a community. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. There were other boats with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves began to beat upon the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And waking up, Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent. Be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, why why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. They were terrified and said to one another, who is this then that even the wind and the seas obey him? This is the word of the Lord. I've been thinking about uh, travel a lot lately as our family makes some arrangements for our upcoming sabbatical and a time when we hope to connect with some people that we know and also visit some places we'd like to explore more or maybe even discover for the first time. Our plan is to visit some of the mission partners that we know and love with our family, introducing our kids to parts of the world that they have not yet visited and maybe even more importantly to some people there. We're hopeful that they might and we might together learn some implicit lessons like gratitude for where we live and who we get to do life with, but also an appreciation of the rich diversity of other cultures and the way that God made this world, and maybe even a little bit more awareness of how God is at work redeeming all of creation. 
The process of making arrangements, though, has stirred some memories of, for me of some other trips that have gone by uh, that I've been able to take part in, and a recurring theme that I seem to have to relearn every single time I've gone on one of these trips, and that is that there are times in your life when you have absolutely no control over what's going to happen. It was about 15 years ago that my Becca and I went to Malawi, and we spent a summer there, almost the, the whole summer, and we... Uh, got to witness some of the ways in which God is at work in an organization, in a native organization in Malawi. And on one day, we got to travel uh, multiple hours to a distant village. You know, you, you drive like an hour on the main road, and then you have like three hours of two-track driving and, and dirt road driving that, you know, you're looking out for craters from the flooding and all this stuff. It takes forever, and you get there, and we had a great time. We were able to pray with some folks and hand out some basic necessities. And then on the way home, we're making our way down this same dirt road that takes forever, and you're in the middle of nowhere. It's, the sun is beginning to set. It's getting a little dark, and all of a sudden, we had a flat tire on our truck. We have no cell phone service. We don't even have cell phones, I don't think, at this time. And I am like, if something bad happens right now, I have no idea where to go or what to do. I am completely dependent on the driver and anybody else that can come with their bike pump to help save us uh, to pump up the tire on our truck. Or it reminds me of the time when we went to Nicaragua and we took the five-hour journey from the capital city of Managua all the way up to Pentasma, which is the, the place where we support uh, some of the work that's being done there. And we're driving uh, up through the mountains of Nicaragua and we make some of the like switchbacks up the mountain and then you come around the river and over the pass and all of a sudden you're coming around the side of a mountain and you look down and you're like, there are hundreds of feet between me and the bottom of this road. And my driver seems to be going excessively fast for my comfort zone. <laughs> I will trust you. You are a local. You've driven this road before. But I don't know how well my trust can hold up. It is a very scary moment. Or maybe it was the time when we went to Juarez, Mexico for the first time. And it's a 65, 70-degree sunny day. And you're like, man, it is beautiful. Nothing like this schmuck that we've been living through the last week. And then you begin to notice that all of the playgrounds don't have any kids in them. And the streets are eerily quiet, even though it is very nice outside. And then you begin to notice that all of the houses have fences or cinder block walls with iron gates and, and sometimes even barbed wire on top. And you begin to wonder, why is everyone here so precautious? Is this a safe place for me to be? I'm dependent on my driver, our host, to keep us safe. Maybe you, too, have experienced a time when you felt poignantly that your complete dependence on someone else. There is nothing I could do if uh, on my own. I need someone else. Maybe it's come traveling, and maybe it's in your own hometown. Maybe it's even in your own home where you felt that, where the keys have been taken away, or the trip to the bathroom becomes too daunting to do on your own. My suspicion is that we have all had one time or another the, felt the vulnerability of not being in control, that we're not the master of our own domain, that we're not the captain of our own ship, a time when we have needed someone else to survive. And if you have not, maybe you should join us on a fellowship trip to see one of our mission partners sometime soon. <laughs> 
Well, the story from Mark's gospel also has a vulnerable and dependent group looking to their captain for safety and survival, a captain that we know is worthy of our trust, that is worthy of our faith, a captain who we know yearns for us to experience life and experience it abundantly, as Pastor Ross talked about last week. And yet, this trustworthy captain in our story seems to be asleep at the wheel, not doing his job, or at least not doing his job in the way that we would want him to do, not capturing, or maybe better said, not skippering, can I say that? Uh, The way that we would like. This story raises for us a lot of questions. Questions about trust and vulnerability, questions about dependence and authority, questions of fear and a yearning for faith. But it's also filled with literal questions It's almost like the characters are talking to each other in questions. Who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? Have you no faith? Why are you so afraid? Teacher, do you not know that we are perishing? On this last question, it is what seems to be the crisis of the story. After a long day of teaching, Jesus asked his disciples to go to the other side, quite literally, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But figuratively, this is really the other side, religiously, emotionally. This is the other side. This is the the other side of the border. These are the other people. These are the non-religious people, the pagans. And Jesus is inviting them to go to the other side. And so they aboard a boat that Jesus has been teaching from all day. Did you notice the first line? On that day, this story starts. This is the same day, if you read backwards in Matthew chapter four, that the crowd was so large on the beach and the shore of Sea of Galilee that Jesus had to go into a boat to teach them about the coming kingdom. And they're on that boat, maybe even the fishermen disciples' own boat, uh, as they're making their way across, and suddenly a fierce squall comes A storm begins to beat with the sound of thunder. Wind blows over the bow of the boat, and then the waves begin to beat into the boat, and suddenly water is flowing aboard the boat. It's a fierce storm. And maybe some of those fishermen disciples have seen this before. Likely they have, because they probably start to do what happens when you see or are in the midst of a storm. Scoop water. We don't want to sink. We work anxiously to control what we can. We try to fix what we see is breaking. We're, and underlying all of these uh, responses, or I'm sorry, we got to save ourselves before the storm comes. We can certainly identify with them, can't we? We know storms, we know trouble, and when the storms of life threaten us, what do we do? We grip tighter to what we know, we work anxiously to control everything that we can, and we try to fix what's broken around us. And underlying all of these is our default patterns of survival, to fight, to flight, or to freeze. It's a stormy world out there, isn't it? The winds seem to be blowing hard, causing waves to break over our own boats. The seas are unsettled, you might say, for both us individually, but also us as the church. Individually, I know, many of us feel the uncertainty of a stormy world. The wind seems out of control as the waves of insecurity beat into our boats. 
that tempt us to believe the lie that we're worthless, tempting us to compromise our integrity so that we can fit in or look a certain way or achieve a certain thing. Or maybe the wind is out of control as the waves of grief continue to roll over the bow of your boat. Memories of a better life, an absent loved one, a displaced friendship that stir feelings of anger or sadness. Or maybe the wind is out of control as the waves of an addiction continue to rattle your family, handcuffing us to habits we long to be overthrown and repeatedly placing us in the shadow of hopelessness. Or maybe the wind is out of control as the waves of anxiety for your children continue to stir, for their troubles at school, or their rejection rejection of the faith, or maybe even financial instability that causes our hearts to break and cloud what would otherwise be a sunny day. Like the fishermen disciples, we know what these waves feel like. The storms come out of nowhere and begin to shake and interrupt our lives, and it can feel like our boats are being swamped, taken over by the water. But it's also true that there are many storms assailing us as a church right now as well. The boat has long been a symbol for the Christian community. Way back from the first century, they used to etch the symbol of a boat to to signify amidst a significant amount of persecution that they were one, that they were a body together, that they were a place of refuge in the midst of the storms. And yet the waves seem to be crashing into our 21st century boat pretty hard lately. Waves seem to be crashing in as society calls out our admitted hypocrisy that we can't fully live up to living like Jesus completely. Some, and sometimes we resort to unchristlike postures and behaviors towards those who think, act, or believe differently than we do. The waves seem to be crashing in as society discredits our leadership because of the behaviors of a few leaders who fail to act morally and fall into the same traps of power and abuse that we see in the halls of other power, other halls of power. The waves seem to be crashing in as society calls out our greed and uh, of power and influence within a political system that we're called to serve with humility and reverence because it is a distant second to our true allegiance to a different system, a different kind of kingdom. The waves seem to be crashing in as society mirrors our divisiveness towards one another and our adventures in missing the main point for smaller, lesser ones, causing more polarization, causing more division in uh, the church and also in society at large, which results in us focusing more on winning against one another rather than winning more people onto the boat. It's a stormy world out there, We as individuals and the church continue to be battered by significant headwinds in large waves. And shockingly, like the disciples, it can seem like our captain is asleep, resting, sleeping on a pillow in the stern of a boat. Commentators would say that the the mattress in the the stern of the boat was reserved for the the captain of the ship, the, the skipper, the guide in life and in death who is asleep at the wheel. So it seems. And so we plead with those first century disciples, teacher, do you not care 
We're at the end of our rope here. Death seems to be staring us in the face. We can't get home. We don't know what to do. We're helpless and maybe even a bit hopeless. And suddenly, Jesus wakes up. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't start helping in their anxious response. Jesus simply speaks. But based on the disciples' later reaction, he acts much differently than they would have expected. I can imagine the disciples expecting Jesus to pick up a bucket and begin bailing water with them, or maybe to pick up an emergency paddle and start rowing like we are, or maybe to help secure the mast or fix the sail or hang the sail or brace what needs to be fixed. Or at bare minimum, Jesus, start praying to the God, to God to save our boat. Do what Jonah did and ask God for a miracle. Plead with God for salvation for us. But instead, Jesus does something so surprising, so unexpected, so unusual that the disciples were terrified. Jesus talks directly to the chaos of the storm. Jesus commands the wind, be silent. Jesus commands the sea, rebukes the sea, be still. Jesus doesn't pray that God would save them. Jesus literally does save them. The same way that God did after the flood in Genesis when dry land appeared and brought salvation to all in the earth. The same way that God did when the, at the Red Sea when the Israelites were trapped and didn't know how they were gonna make, God made a way for them to escape and survive. The same way that God did for the fishermen after they dumped Jonah into the sea. Jesus doesn't just plead with the Lord to save them. Jesus proves that he is the Lord over not just their boat, but the wind and the sea, and that his word brings salvation. This is his first miraculous act in the Gospel of Mark, proving his lordship over the natural order of this world. Yes, he has spiritually released demons in an individual. Yes, he has physically healed a sick person. But here, Jesus is proving that he is lord over the created order over all of the chaos. Mark wants us to see that Jesus is not just in the business of being Lord over the disciples' boat, but that Jesus is Lord over all of creation for the sake of all of the boats that were with him. Jesus saves them, but not in the way that they'd expect him to. His miracle is so much bigger. Sometimes, Jesus' peace Jesus' salvation comes to us as we would expect. Cancer-free tumors come home from our MRIs. Our addictions are released after a weekend retreat. The Lions beat the 49ers and go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Lost jobs lead to better ones than we could have ever dreamed of. Sometimes Jesus acts miraculously in the ways that we would expect. But more common though, if your experience is like mine, peace comes to our storms through faithful endurance. Peace comes to our storms through the natural timing of things. Peace comes to our children who stand before us having grown up in the fabric of faith and then one day testify to Jesus as Lord. Sometimes, and sometimes, peace 
the peace we long for in this world never comes. Not because Jesus doesn't care, not because he's sleeping on the job, but because Jesus' peace is much bigger than the storms of our life. Sometimes we see signs of Christ's peace among us in our lives. Sometimes we get glimpses of that coming kingdom. One day, but one day, we will see his lordship reign over all of creation. His cosmic peace, wind be silent, waves be still, will be for everyone and all and for all time. Not just for Roger's cancer, but for all forms of illness. Not just for Dan's drug addiction, but for all forms of slavery. Not just to spare Tim from death, but one day he will conquer and destroy the power of death itself. The disciples ask, who is this man that even the wind and the seas obey? Their eyes were beginning to see that Jesus was not just a master teacher, not just a fiery prophet, not just a faithful friend, but this was the Christ, the Lord, the Lord over creation and the Lord over the chaos of the sea. My friends, when the storms of life, the storms of your life seem unbearable, when your anxious responses overwhelm you, when the fear of the unknown paralyzes you, I wonder if the lesson we can learn from this text is to look to the Lord over all creation who is sitting in the boat with you. There is no storm that can do him in. There is no squall that is too much for him. He is there in the boat with you. That's why Paul would say, like just rehearsed just a little bit ago, that I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll close with a picture that Rembrandt painted of this scene. The storm seems to be taking over the ship and you see all the disciples doing their anxious response thing. In the bow of the boat, you see folks trying to secure the mast, to hold the lines, to fix the sails. In the stern of the boat, you see some guy with a paddle, another guy pleading, trying to wake up Jesus, another guy praying on the floor, and another guy throwing up on the side of the boat. And Jesus is in the back, resting with a seemingly glow on his face, exuding calm amidst the storm. And if you count really, really carefully, You'll notice that there's 12 disciples in Jesus, and then there's one extra person. One extra person that Rembrandt painted in 17th century garb, staring right at you, the viewer of this piece of art, the only one looking at you, and he's holding a line. And in a way, I wonder if he's inviting you to look at the storms and begging you to wonder amidst your vulnerabilities, amidst your utter dependence on others, who are you gonna put your faith in? Who is in the boat with you? Who is the Lord of your life? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, if you find yourself in the middle of a storm right now, we want you to know that our song of response this morning is not meant to silver line your experience or fast track you to a sense of resolution. 
and deny your current reality. You are free to wonder, to question, to wrestle, and also to rely on those around you for their faith and hope when yours is low or gone. So we hope that this song will make just be a glimpse for us, even if by faith that, to use our flight analogy from earlier, above the clouds, the sun is shining. God is on the throne and will make all things new. Would you stand and let's sing together. Oh, uh-huh. 
As you go into another week and face the storms that are all around us, remember that the Lord of all creation is in the boat with you. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. go in peace, my friend.